Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shake and Bake F1 podcast. I am your host, Adrian Huff, joined, as always, by my Canadian co-host, RJ McCullough. Now, RJ, just going to kick it off. What's been grinding your gears this week? Well, 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 hello, hello. Uh, what's been grinding my gears? Now, both these subjects we're going to touch on a little later, but I'm going to give my opinion on this. So it all started, I was watching Drive to Survive, and Will Buxton had an asinine quote, as he always does. He said, in F1, when, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. Talking about, like, rumors and stuff. Yeah. Now, I have to disagree with that. Shocker, disagreeing with Will Buxton. But I kind of am just annoyed by the whole F1 PR spin that they put on everything. Um, I mean, they literally show in Drive to Survive that they have PR meetings with their teams. And they're like, don't tell them anything. Just tell them this. Like, they're blatantly lying to us, which I guess that happens. But... Uh, like two recent examples of it. One, the Christian Horner situation. Red Bull did an investigation into Christian Horner and have cleared Christian Horner. It wasn't like some independent investigator, unless I'm wrong. An independent investigator did this. Red Bull did this investigation. And instead of laying out the facts and telling us what happened, what, who was wrong, who was right, the whole situation, they're still not telling us anything. They're just saying Christian Horner has been cleared of all wrongdoing. Um, so that's one example. The other one uh, is the way, I know this was your grand gear last week, but the way the Mercedes is handling the Lewis, Lewis departure. It's getting sort of odd. First, it was that Toto was shocked by the Lewis news. Now Toto is saying, and I love Toto, but now Toto is saying that, well, they didn't want to commit to Lewis because they don't want to lose this Antonelli kid that like they lost Max in 2014. So this all just leads to rampant speculation and anarchy on social media between fans of opposing sides and then people just going at each other like you're an idiot no you're an idiot uh, now there's like some misogyny around the horner situation directed towards people saying well oh this woman should be outed for lying like i will get into it but i don't think she was lying i just think red bull determined that it wasn't worth christian horner losing his job right um so yeah we'll obviously touch on those two subjects a little bit more but my grinds my gears is just the f1 pr cycle and spin that's put on everything what's going on your gears my it's a uh, pretty similar to yours actually it's not the pr machine but it's a uh, it's uh, apparently a very integral part of the pr machine and that's danica patrick in drive to survive Oof. now Preach. by no means is the reason that she's bad is because of her gender by no means but she is the female will buxton and they <laughs> netflix they know exactly what they're doing and I, I actually really enjoy uh, – we're going to talk about Drive to Survive Season 6 in a little bit. But I actually am really enjoying the season. I have not finished it. But the I'll tell you the things that take me out of it the most are those two. I'll touch on a little bit more about things that bother me this season. But, I mean, she will say things like – it's it, to me it feels like it's too – not dumb. I don't want to be mean. But it's like so obvious that even somebody that's never watched F1 before – like would automatically understand that she says things like to go fast. You need to push the, the pedal hard. You need to push yeah. it as hard as you can. And the some guys pedal just, is hard. Yeah. And so then she's like, and some guys just aren't willing to do that. Some guys are not willing to give a hundred percent of a push. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Like, I know. Some of the, some of the things that they say, and 
I know she has experience. I'm not saying she's not qualified. It's just some of the the things that they pick and choose are whole oh boy. And Will she's not as bad as Will Buxton, I will say. We'll get to that though. <laughs> but uh yeah. yes. The biggest news this week is the Christian Horner news that you touched on, I would say. And there's been a lot of misinformation. You know, the we now know that well, I don't even know what the because there's some things that like we do know that it was a misconduct allegation, but we don't know for sure if it was over photos, if it was over text messages, uh, you know, I don't know. But I do think you made a really good point saying that, you know, Red Bull did this investigation internally. And I don't think that Christian is 100% clear of any wrongdoing, even though he's going to be staying in his position, which to me I think is a plus because it obviously wasn't as egregious as I guess the majority of the internet was assuming. But even still, the fact that some people are forgetting that Horner and his team offered a 650,000 pound settlement to her before this whole thing even blew up, I think is a little bit telling, you know, so there's not a complete lack of wrongdoing on his part, but now we just know that it wasn't so much that he's going to not remain team principal. He's going to be sticking around, which is making a lot of people upset, but it also is relieving a lot of Red Bull fans. So it's just a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. I just put the uh, statement up on screen, but just quickly, the independent investigation into the allegations made against Mr. Horner is complete and Red Bull can confirm that the grievance has been dismissed. The complainant has a right of appeal. Quote, Red Bull is confident that the investigation has been fair, rigorous, and impartial. Uh, so again, Red Bull doing this investigation. I don't know, as a person that's very open about my disdain and hatred for Christian Horner and really all things Red Bull F1 team, uh, aside from Daniel Ricciardo, I I don't know. Part of me is pissed off that they're just clearly going to sweep this under the rug. And it's, if, if anything, it's going to make Christian Horner even more pompous and arrogant and feel like he's walking on water. There's also a little part of me that's like, if someone else is going to beat Red Bull, I want to beat them at their best. And obviously this side, this stuff aside, he is very, very good at his job. And I'm not necessarily surprised that they're not letting him go, even though I do think if the investigation took this long and they have the text messages, if it was nothing, they would have just, it wouldn't even have become a story. It would have just been like this person made this up. It was an allegation that was made up. Clearly it wasn't that. It would be like the Susie Wolf news. Yeah, like exactly. Everyone would have been like, that was egregious. How do they do this? Um, So I don't know. Maybe more will come out. But as a Red Bull fan, I have to assume... Again, not any morality or anything, but it, just in terms of the F1 stuff, I would assume that you're happy that Christian Horner is sticking around? Relatively, yeah. I'm still not really super satisfied that we're not really getting a clear answer. I mean, everything is still extremely vague and being held behind the curtain. So I don't know. But, it, it, I mean, ob- you know, obviously as a Red Bull fan, I would prefer Christian to stay. But, again... Go back to last week. We covered our bases, you know. Don't we don't uh, support or do any sort of. You know, I mean, I'm just like I'm nervous talking about this because it's a very serious situation, and I don't want to treat it very lightly because this does kind of set a little bit of a precedent. Whatever he did, clearly, for whoever did the investigations, you know, whether it's the FIA or whatever the case. I know Red Bull did it mostly internally, but they're setting a precedent that this is okay. So. I don't know. Yeah. Another, to move on to my team, a few things happened this week with 
Mercedes. Um, I mentioned the Antonelli story that Toto is kind of t- walking that line now. Also a bit of a weird quote from George saying that he had slept at Toto's house and then in the morning Lewis came over. For a so, he, party. so George left and then that's when Lewis told Toto and then yeah. Toto called George and was like, you're not going to believe what just happened. So like, the Girl's whole story, fell. like those two things don't add up. Like, hey, why is George sleeping at Toto's house? I think, like, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a fair and reasonable explanation for that. But <laughs> it seems kind of weird. Just like, I'm just picturing them like coming down in the morning in their PJs. And I don't know. Just <laughs> weird. But then also, like, how would Toto be so shocked that Lewis was doing this if he is saying they couldn't commit to him because of Antonelli? And then also, why is, like, why couldn't George? It's almost like they were trying to hide from George hide from Lewis that George was there? Like, why did George need to, like, scram out of the, the back door? I don't know. The whole thing just screams they're trying to do a PR spin and make themselves look good in this. I don't know. Yeah. George is already being really pompous, saying, like, oh, yeah, like, people from other teams and other uh, aspects of motorsport have been contacting me constantly, trying to get a word on this extra spot they have. It's like, shut up, George. <laughs> so, yeah. What do you think of this whole Mercedes... PR spin, basically. It doesn't really make any sense to me, and I don't think you're quite as caught up on Drive to Survive as I am, but when you watch that, it's clear that (laughs) nobody at Mercedes saw this coming. At least Toto Mm -hmm. didn't, and I don't even think Lewis did at the time of recording, if I'm being completely honest, because it is just, like, hilarious. That whole episode six is really, really a great episode. Again, we'll talk about Drive to Survive more, but... It's just crazy to me because the just seeing Lewis being like so certain and Toto that he's going to finish his career with Mercedes and then just knowing what happens. I mean, we'll have to talk about it next week once you've seen the episode. It is it's it's insane to watch. Like I'm I'm shocked Netflix didn't change it or like it is (laughs) actually insane. And if you're somebody that doesn't really follow the the Formula One news or landscape, and you're just a Drive to Survive fan, you're pretty much getting fucking misinformation. Because I finished that episode being like, oh, Lewis is never leaving Mercedes, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> and then it's just like, yeah. uh, I don't know. It It is wild, though, because knowing how long production lasts on Drive to Survive, that these Ferrari rumors have been going as far back as midway through 2023 last year. And, you know, it's something that really fizzled out, but then within a day just came back just instantly and just shocked everybody. So it's really insane to me, but I, I, I really do genuinely feel like Toto and the Mercedes like board of directors or whoever is really running the ship behind that team are kind of conflicting. I don't know if they necessarily are like against each other. Like some people thought Christian helmet Marco might be, have been, but I don't know. Cause just some of the, it just seems like they are, he's contradicting some of the things that Mercedes themselves have even said. Because, you know, we now know that they denied him an ambassador spot. They said they didn't want him staying longer than like a year or two. So it's just a lot of conflicting info. So it's, I don't know. It's it's wild. I don't know. It's it's wild seeing Mercedes go through all these troubles after just such a long time of having it perfect. Yeah, there's, uh, I don't really know what's going on there with them right now. But uh, sorry, I'm trying to find a appropriate sound thing to drop in here i want to i want to try out these these uh these sound effects that we have here (laughs) yeah (laughs) but anyways uh, i guess we'll just stick on the topic i'll go back to the other one in a minute but uh we'll stick on the topic of drive to survive 
I'm four up in four episodes. I think I watched the McLaren one and they started the next one. But anyways, I'm about four episodes in, so I still am, I'm about halfway. Uh, I'm personally really enjoying it. I know you said you're enjoying it. Everyone else I've seen online is saying that they're not enjoying it. It's gone downhill. I mean, the ratings have gone down already. Um, but the F1 group chat we're in, everyone was saying they hate it. Uh, my mom was saying that she was still disappointed in it this season. I don't know. To me, part of the allure originally watching Drivers Survive is you didn't know what was going to happen. Now, we already know what's going to happen because we're huge fans. But I'm loving like just the behind-the-scenes stuff, seeing how stories develop, seeing how Red Bull was clearly going after Lando Norris. Like, they, yeah. Obviously, they made that pretty clear. Um, and he's decided to stay on with McLaren. Um, seeing how bad that McLaren car was again. I, not that I forgot, but wow, they were they a tracker at the start of last year. And to get where they went after that bout of a start is extremely impressive. Um, seeing Claire from Williams back in the not really back in an F1 role, but just hearing her talk again was, was nice. So I hope she's doing well. I mean, she seems like a very nice lady. Um, yes. <laughs> but Williams, I was thinking when they were like talking about McLaren and how they need to turn things around, Williams used to be like uh, a McLaren, basically. They yes. used to be like one of the top teams and they have fallen way off. So it is, it is dangerous. Like they're showing the McLaren like meetings that Zach Brown was having. Like they're basically saying to them, like, if this doesn't get turned around, you're out of a job, buddy. Right. Like, without, really like, I was even like, line. I don't want to be brutal, but you got to turn this around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, are, you're a little further than me. Maybe there's something that's going to piss me off in the next few episodes. Um, but so far, every episode has had at least three or four moments, and I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Whether it's Lance Stroll, Lawrence Stroll's villain to succession the, ass intro, everything. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm quite enjoying it, and I'm looking for. I'm almost like spacing it out i don't want it to be to end i'm trying to take my uh, time yes, with it exactly you know I'm, so. I'm in the same boat i'm trying not to just completely binge it i'm trying to just take my time and enjoy it i don't think there's anything at least that i've seen in the two more episodes that you have i think that's gonna piss you off i think mm-hmm. since you're such a hardcore lewis and mercedes fan that episode six is really gonna be such a fun interesting watch for you and <laughs> i'm really interested to hear your thoughts about it once you finish it because uh it's definitely my favorite episode, but the McLaren episode, again, I think people, like you said, are missing the allure of Drive to Survive. If you're not someone that watches F1, it gives you relatively up-to-date information on the previous season of what happened. If you're a like hardcore fan like me and you are, then it gives you an insight and behind-the-scenes look of some PR or just like the driver's lives, like whatever the case may be that you wouldn't see otherwise if the show didn't exist. So I feel like people are just being a little bit too negative. Personally, my least favorite season of Drive to Survive was what arguably should have been the peak season, which was the 2021 championship. That, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was like the editing or the pacing or the storylines, even the Max and Lewis episodes, it just was completely dead in the water for me. Like I could not have been less, or I I almost said least interested. (laughs) I could not have been like... (laughs) I still am struggling to even think of what to say, but I just, it it was the worst season to me. I did not enjoy it. So I think it's kind of turned itself around the Will Buxton and Danica Patrick stuff is a little bit uh, cringy at times. And since you are a hardcore fan, obviously it does sort of make it a lot easier to spot some of the just general editing. I don't even, I can't even call them errors. Just, 
uh, lies, I guess they're basically saying. <laughs> yeah. the, the most egregious one is in, I think, the first episode when they're showing Lance Strolls on board in Bahrain. And it's they literally haven't teared the first corner of the first race of the season. <laughs> and they just insert a clip of the engineer telling Lance, Russell ahead, he's struggling, pass him. And it's like, there's yeah. no fucking way he said that right then. Also, what do you mean he's struggling? You've been racing for four seconds. They haven't even <laughs> yeah, turned that's a good yet. Point. It's just like little things like that. And it's, you can really, it's really obvious, at least to me, that a lot of those moments are just completely fabricated. But that being yeah. said, it's really fun to see. I mean, you get to see like, like we got to see Daniel's Silverstone test that got him back into F1. Mm-hmm. We would have never seen that if it wasn't for this show. So there's just some really, really amazing moments. So to me, that makes it worth it. All the bullshit aside. Yeah. And as much as uh, I like to shit on Christian Horner, uh, it was cool and heartwarming to see how much he loves Daniel Ricardo. Like even when his yes. kid was like, who's your favorite driver, daddy? And he's like, Daniel Ricardo. Or they were like talking about what horse they should name, whatever. It's like Daniel Ricardo. And then um, just seeing how much he was pushing, like he was giving those Alpha Tower guys now V-Carb uh, really no, no choice, but to take, he was like, his test was good. His times are good. You're, you're going to take him on. You're going to take him on. Right. Like he was yeah. pushing that. Um, one thing I will say about, uh, Danica and Will Buxton is I completely agree with you, first of all, but I think their commentary isn't necessarily for people like us no. that know, because I remember first when I first got into Drive to Survive, I actually liked Will Buxton because I didn't know all these little things that are very, very obvious and stupid for us now, but I, there were things I didn't know that were interesting. So I guess... I'll take that a bit with a grain of salt, but yes, yeah. I agree. It is annoying. Um, I want to I think, move. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying. No, I was going to go on to something else. So. But yeah, the, my last thing I, is just, I think you kind of nailed it. Those two specifically, I don't know if they do it intentionally, but I feel like they talk like they know they're going to be used for like ads and like in a trailer. Like this is the most intense moment of the episode. Just like the cadence mm-hmm. and the way they speak. To be yes. fair, it, I mean, it takes a skill. And I'm not saying, you know, it's not talent, but it just is, to me, it's a little bothersome. But, like, like I get it. Lando he, knows he's under pressure this season. Like, yeah, it's you like, say it so, it? like, it's like he speaks in clips already. Yes. Yeah. No, yes, I agree clips. completely. <laughs> um, That's it, though. Speaking of Lando, good transition here. I saw a little piece on Reddit. Unwanted F1 records that can be broken in 2024. I won't be able to put this up on the screen because it's on my phone, but uh, oh. okay, we got one, two, we, there's, there's five of them. Now, these are records that you do not want to break, but they could be broken this year. The first one, most Grand Prix starts without a win. The record is held by Andrea Cesares with 208. There's one guy on the grid that has 203. Do you know who that is? Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg. Good yeah. boy, good boy. Next, most podiums without a win. Now, this is kind of impressive. You got a lot of podiums, but you can't get a win. Previously held by Nick Headfield. Now, with 13, Lando Norris is tied with 13. So one more podium, second or third for Lando, and he will take the record for most podiums without a win. Next is most career points without winning a championship. The record, I don't know who the previous record is, but I guess he already has the record. Valtteri Bottas. 1,797. Whoa. Um, yeah. And obviously, he helped Lewis win championships, but none for himself. Doesn't look like he's going to get one this year. 
Yeah, he's got constructors, but drivers, no, sir. No, Most no. race starts without leading a lap. <laughs> this is held now by Kevin Magnuson, 163. So I guess this is just going to oh. continue. Interesting. It's surprising that you wouldn't lead, like, even after, like, a pit stop, someone, like, the, the leader's pit on on mediums or softs, and you're on hards, so you're temporarily in first or something. That's, it's That's surprising. really depressing. He, didn't, he get, didn't he get pole? He did. And so how did, how did he restart without leading a lap? How did he not lead at all? Oh, because it started the sprint race, and then he fell back into the pack. Right. So I guess he led for the start of the sprint race. But not. And then finally, most race starts without a podium. This also is the same guy that most race starts without a win. Nico Hulkenberg. So he's never even had a podium. That's He was a hot prospect coming up in the ranks originally, and he's had some close calls. But, um, yeah, so those are some records this year. I low-key would – I mean, if if by some miracle Nico Hulkenberg gets signed to Audi, if, he's, if they somehow come out of the gate swinging, just him getting mm. a podium, a win, like anything, would be one of the coolest – like arcs in F1 history. It would just make everything so, so worth it to me. And I really like Nico, so I really hope we can see something like that. But it's a long shot. Yes, yes, it is. Now let's move on a little bit to um, Bahrain from last week. Before we get into Bahrain from this week, we finally had cars on track. Um, hard to tell sometimes what you're really seeing because whether it's fuel loads or how much engine they're pushing or if they're hiding things for this week. But Give me, I don't know, two or three takeaways that you had from uh, Bahrain testing, preseason testing. Max did not lose his God status in the offseason, unfortunately. The man is consistent. Red Bull definitely still seem to be the favorites, even though they completely switched concepts, which is mind-blowing. And I think Mercedes are sandbagging, which I think is a little bit crazy because – we people were saying they were when the regulations changed, and then it was like, oh, they're not. <laughs> they suck. But there's there's reason to believe that Mercedes are a little bit faster than they actually are, and that gives me a little bit of hope because Ferrari are also looking quick. But just over the course of a lap, it does look like the Red Bull is about three tenths quicker, which is really really insane. Contrary to what Sergio Perez says, he said something along the lines of. <laughs> that the Red Bull is not as far ahead as some people may think. And I wanted to reply and say, no, that's just your Red Bull, <laughs> not Max's Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, your lack of skill. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's caught me off guard there. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that back. Oh, Jesus. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Uh, good old Checo. Yeah, he's, he's good for uh, about five good races at the start of the year and then... <laughs> Um, we need yeah. a sad, tr sad trombone noise in there. Uh, so my couple takeaways. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was pretty harsh on Mercedes, uh, at least on social media, because they were they look like shit. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if they were some sandbagging, unless there's some crazy new idea that they've come up with that they didn't want everyone else to see for one extra week. I don't know what the benefit really for them sandbagging now. When they were the top team, it made sense to sandbag because you want people to think they have a chance and maybe go with less, like take less risks on their design. But now that they're, I don't know, probably positively, like on the good side, they're third in the pecking order, maybe as low as fifth or sixth. So I don't know. It seems like you might want to just test the car 
and see how it actually runs. And then you can make improvements on that. So if they're sandbagging, now there are ways, different ways you can sandbag, just having more fuel or like a lower engine mode. But if they're hiding parts, I don't know how that's going to go. But a few takeaways, kind of similar to yours. Uh, Adrian Newey is just a savant, an absolute genius. Like everyone else, I think in their right mind would have just adapted the car from last year because it was already so far ahead. But instead they went and completely revamped it, went back to the style of car that Mercedes got torn apart for that did not work, that they weren't able to figure out. And you just kind of dropped it in there like, oh, hey, look at this. Look what we've done in the off season. And mm-hmm. it already looks like it's paying dividends and is a beast of a car, which we'll find out tomorrow or the next day. Uh, two yeah. teams that did not look very good. Number one, Alpine. They looked like an absolute tractor, like, which I'm not yeah. really sad about. But they looked like not only did the livery look shit, but the actual car like performance was shit. And surprisingly, Aston Martin, I, I thought, especially after watching Mr. La- Lawrence Stroll, the human movie villain, um, they're just going to throw money at anyone to hire them away from Red Bull and Mercedes and continue improving and try and get Alonso at least one more win. Alonso's already kind of, I don't know if you heard his comments today, but he was like, I need to see the first few races and then decide on my racing future. I don't know if that's him putting pressure on Aston Martin to get it together, or if that's just him kind of alluding to the fact that it's not going to happen this year and he's probably going to retire. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, those are kind of my main three takeaways. Um, I definitely don't think he plans on sticking around with Aston Martin if they don't pick it up this season. I think the only thing that would keep him sticking around for an extension or another contract would be if Aston Martin finds some pace and he gets podiums or wins, or if Mercedes offer him a contract, which I don't think is likely, but would be really cool. The It's crazy because we just know, like you just remember how much like pace and what they Aston Martin was able to unlock in the offseason last year. And this year, it just does not seem to be the case. So hopefully we see a little bit of a surprise from one of these teams uh, come practice or even quality. But yeah, especially Alpine. Jesus Christ, it is not looking good for them, which I mean, complete disaster. I, I, I miss Otmar. I feel like the people that run Reynolds are the those guys are just complete morons. So yeah, they they made their bed, and not not any money from Travis Kelsey is going to help you. Not all the money in the world. <laughs> no, yeah, those celebrities really, uh, Ryan Reynolds and all them. They're not really not really paying dividends yet, but no. I guess we'll see. So, Adrian, did you know? We move right into did you know? Because ah. mine relates to Bahrain. Okay. Did you know? Turn one at Bahrain, also known as Michael Schumacher. Kind of a weird name for a turn, but. Turn one, a.k.a. Michael Schumacher, is the only corner on the circuit with a name. Streets with no name. Michael Schumacher, turn one, only corner with a name. Oh, on that track. At Bahrain. Oh, interesting. Yes, on that track. Yeah. Damn. That's kind of bad. That just shows what a legend Michael is yeah. because that's an iconic turn. I mean, some of the it best, is. It's, it's, it's a tough one to get rid of. It one is. and two, it's, it's tough. That's some amazing uh, racing moments there, specifically last year. And obviously over the course of the entire mm. time that race has been on the calendar. But I, I quite enjoy Bahrain. I think it's a decent track to start off with if it's not going to be Albert Park. So, uh, but uh, did you know that this pertains to your boy? The uh, If Lewis Hamilton was his own constructors, just him. (laughs) He would rank fifth in the all-time constructors win table with 103 wins. 
only four other teams over the course of the sports history have more wins as a team than Lewis Hamilton. And that is, throwback to earlier, Williams. They used to be really good. 114 <laughs> wins. McLaren, Mercedes, and Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton still has more wins than Red Bull Racing. I want people to remember that. So I read that earlier. Yeah, and they, I was like, that is fascinating. He is the fifth most is. successful constructor as an individual. <laughs> yeah, and crazy. a lot of those McLaren and Mercedes wins came from him. So Yes, that's, that's a, that is a fact. <laughs> and we'll get some with hopefully we'll get some with Ferrari as well. I wonder how many guys have won races with three different teams. Maybe Alonso. He's been on three. He's been on McLaren. He's been he didn't on win with Alpine. Ferrari. He's no, he didn't with Alpine. He hasn't won with Aston. So two. Hmm. Um, interesting though. Good, interesting. I did not know that. that. Up. Yeah. yeah. So now we're on to the Bahrain GP preview. I'm just going to share my screen real quick. We'll go over the race times, weekend times. Uh, F1 race share. All right. You see that? Yeah. All right. So these are our time, Eastern Standard Time. Practice one, February 29th, leap year. Thursday, 6.30 a.m. Practice two, 10 a.m. Friday morning, 7.30, practice three. Qualifying Friday at 11 a.m. Sorry for those of you that have to work. And 10 a.m. race on Saturday. Yes, 10 a.m. race on Saturday. We won't be able to do a live stream of the qualifying, which we like to do and we'll be doing this year because it's Friday afternoon. We both will be in the office, but I'll be able to watch in the office and hopefully you will be too, as you said. Um, so that's, I will stop sharing my screen now, so just in case something pops up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is, uh, that's the times. Kind of a strange start that both the first two races are on Saturdays, but I think they have to have seven days between races and with the Jetta time zones I, i'm imagining that's why their race is on saturday so mm-hmm. whatever you're not really going to complain about the season starting a day early yeah for sure it's yeah. it's going to be a little strange but it'll, it'll be fine once we start getting into those sundays though then it'll really feel like f1 is back yes yes it will i've got some some uh, vital statistics or track info for us here uh so they've been going here since 2004 the track is 5.412 kilometers the lap record is held by Pedro De La Rosa. De La Rosa. De one Rosa. minute, 31 seconds. Uh, the pole run to turn one breaking point, 353 meters. Uh, this is interesting. The safety car probability, 63%. So we're very likely to get a safety car. Virtual safety car probability, 50%. I don't really know how virtual safety car is less probable than safety car. But hmm. I guess when they do crash, they crash bad. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's uh that's some track info for you. Also had some guys making comments. Uh I have Lando just basically said that they are a chunk behind where they thought they were, or I think Piastri said they're a chunk behind where they wanted to be. Uh Lando's quotes were not a lot here, but just gonna read one paragraph. I think it's clear who the top two are, then there's a bit of a bunch behind which is Mercedes, Aston, and us. So I guess he's saying Ferrari and Rebel are the two in front by a lot. But in terms of how the preseason tests went, it was a lot better than last year, and we're in a much better position than last year. So that is the most important thing. But uh, it's tricky where to. It's tricky to know where we're going to stand against some other teams. I think it's pretty close with several. Um, so yeah, that was Lando. Charles Leclerc basically said in terms of Ferrari... I think they're sandbagging a little bit or at least not letting 
putting their all their cards on the table. Uh, he said Rebel is clearly still the team to beat, and that the thing is Rebel is one of the only teams that didn't do a full race simulation during the test, which is normally what helps us to understand where we are exactly. It's very difficult to know where they are. Um, yeah, that's scary. So, yeah, that is that is scary. Um, and then who else had uh, Albon said that I didn't, didn't write this one down, but if I remember correctly, Alex Albon said that there's not a tenth place or a ninth place team anymore. There's kind of a upper tier and a lower tier. Um, yes, which is good for F1. I mean, that was the whole idea of the last regulation change. Drop my pen. The last regulation change was to bring everyone mm-hmm. together, and so I guess like back in the Lewis heyday. As much as he was amazing, the bottom cars were absolute shit. Like he was lapping almost everyone except for um, the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. So there was much more of a gap between the teams. Now it's a lot closer, so that's good. And then Alpine, as we talked earlier, they are not looking good. I don't have any direct quotes. I just know that everything that's come out of that camp has been very negative. So <laughs> yes. given that, I want to hear what your expected pecking order right now uh, you don't have to go all through all 10, but maybe give me your top five in terms of based on what we've heard, what we think the top five teams are. I think Red Bull still are top dogs. And I think I'm hopefully going to become, even though Rip Ferrari have always been sort of my secondary team, Max is always going to be my boy, but I'm really seeing a transition to Ferrari squad this season. So really, really hoping Ferrari does well. So putting them in number two with a possible number one, I do think that both the Ferraris have a decent chance of beating Checo. Then I'm going to say Mercedes, and this is tough. I'm going to put McLaren over Aston Martin because I that's just yep. what I hope. But any of those bottom three teams could be surprised. I mean, Mercedes could be as fast, if not faster, than Ferrari come qualifying. We don't know. So that's, the most ex- that's very exciting. Cannot believe yeah, it's Mercedes so close to the new is, season. No, it's crazy. I hope by the end of the weekend we're not uh... – Thorn in the towel. The one thing I will say I is that even right. if teams are are appearing closer to Red Bull this week, I think we have to be careful because this isn't necessarily like a speed track. There's a lot of slow corners. Um, yes. Jeddah next weekend will be a real test because that's about as quick of a, of a track oh, as yeah. it comes. Um, so that'll be the real test, I think. And then maybe Australia's after that. I know they moved the Japanese and China races up in the calendar. Um, but yeah, I think after maybe three races, we'll have a better idea of the actual pecking order, but I had the exact same uh, top five as you. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where B carb um, B's a cash app rebel. I think <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where them with Danny and Yuki slide in. Cause they could go, I think as high as third, like they could slide in behind Ferrari or they could be right behind Aston Martin. I would they love could that. be back at the end of the pack with Haas and Alpine. We don't know, but it would be nice to see Danny at least getting regular points because yes. That second Red Bull seat next year is kind of a fascinating story to watch. There's still Liam Lawson out there. Uh, don't forget about him. He performed great last year. And then Danny and just a whole bunch of other guys, Carlos Sainz. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys to watch of there. Put, the, so, put Carlos's chances in the ground a little bit earlier, though. Did you oh, see that? Didn't hear that. No, I saw that. He said something along the them. lines of. Yes, I did see that picture of him talking to Christian, but Helmet said something along the lines of. I think Signs is going to be looking for an answer before we're willing to give an answer. I think it was something along the lines of that. So I want okay. Daniel to go back to that seat. I think it's should be molded to him. I want to see it. 
<laughs> but I'll be excited to see anybody replace Checo if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, once another team becomes competitive with Red Bull, they're they're going to need someone better than Checo in that car. For they're sure. going to win the constructors. So we also we have one new uh, segment that we're introducing this week that's going to be a, something we do on every uh, race week, and that is a best bet segment. So instead of our fantasy draft that we've done previously, we're just going to do a betting segment where we each start the season with $100 in our betting account, and we each make one bet each week, and hopefully neither of us goes down to zero, but we're going to kind of <laughs> wager a certain amount with those odds and see how we do. So, I mean, you could bet on Max to win every week, but those odds, you're only going to, if you bet $100, you could, if he wins, you get 120 So it's not like you're going to be uh, moving up, but that's a, it's a safe option if that's what you want to do. But uh, I will go first, just so we can kind of get the lay of the land here. My first bet is going to be for podium to podium. And I have taken Charles Chuck Leclerc at a $50 bet. So half of my money. And the odds are 1.95. So if I win, or sorry, if Charles gets a podium, I get 97.50 off of that, plus the 50 that I didn't bet. So that would be $147.50. If Charles doesn't get a podium, I'm down to $50. What do you got? So it, were, are we doing exclusively? Oh, wait, you you picked a podium. Okay, good. That was what I was going to choose. I picked a podium, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. not going to be worth to bet Max, even though over the course of if, if you bet Max every week over the course of last year, you made money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I had yeah. seen that dominance coming, but I'm going to go. I don't want to blow too much on the first week just because it's really a shot in the dark for me. I'm going to put $20 on a podium for Lewis Hamilton, Ooh. which should okay, bring the odds to- there. If I- Yes, the odds for Lewis is 2.65. 20 at 2.65. Okay, I will do that math later. I don't want to do math live on air or <laughs> it's not going to look good. So, all right, those are our, you are taking. That's funny. Uh, you took Lewis and I took Charles. Use this the other yeah, way around. Right. Um, I have faith. I would love to see Lewis. I'll be happy if, if Lewis, maybe they'll both. Maybe it'll go Max. Well, maybe Max will just crap out in the first lap, but maybe it'll be Max. Charles Lewis or Max Lewis Charles. That'd be nice having three different guys there. Um, I do think there is some value in uh, taking, I'm not taking this, but I think there is some value to be had in taking Sergio Perez to win this week because he does start out the seasons pretty well generally. And I think he's like 13 to one to win. So 10 bucks to win 130. Um, again, I'm not betting that, but I think if you're looking for a value bet, that might be someone out there might want to, take that uh if say max has reliability issues or the rebels are just so good and max gets tangled up somewhere i don't know those odds that you sent me was that for podium or was that for a win that was that was for podium yeah oh okay i was gonna say putting checo on the podium was not worth it for me to make a bet 1.6 no no No. for uh, to win i believe it's max and then charles and then perez wow Yeah, very, very interesting. I like this new um, segment. We're going to keep track yes, of the amount over the course of the season, see if we end up in the red yeah. or if we end up in the green or if we yeah, end up that's right. That's right. <laughs> Maybe one of us will win enough money that we can pay for uh, flights so we can see each other in person. Um, I know, right? Yeah, I don't want to go broke, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> what else we got? We got one more segment. I'm kind of merging these together. Shout out slash quote of the week. 
You want to go first? Yes. All right. I'm going with a quote this week, and I'm going to see how long I can do this. I'm going to, it's from the same individual that I chose last week. Will Buxton. <laughs> It's from a quote from this newest season of Drive to Survive that I just thought was so funny. He said, and I quote, that Haas is lightning quick. Referring to Nico Hulkenberg (laughs) and Kevin Magnuson. (laughs) Goddamn. Getting, uh... (laughs) dude, that caught me so off guard. I love it. Uh, He referred to them being lightning quick when they got 10th and 12th. So, just, I mean, I, it just made me shake my head. I'm like, what are you saying, dude? <laughs> I mean, lightning yeah. quick for a, I don't know. I mean, it's just, the, the phrasing is just so funny to me. At no point, at no point no. have they been, I mean, compared to us driving on the highway, sure, they're lightning quick. But right, compared yes. to all the other F1 teams. Also, uh, this is, oh, Jesus, this isn't my shout out, but I just remembered there's a cool video out there of a, uh, Max racing a drone, the fastest drone in the world. Yes. Um, check that out, people, if you'd like. My shout-out this week, I'm going to share my screen. It's uh, an Instagram account that has gotten 500,000 followers in two weeks. It is... Dun, 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 dun. It is... Miss Peaches! Famous uh... Miss Peaches. Now I'm a Barstow guy. <laughs> Dave Port and I got a dog, and it is just the cutest. Oh, I can't watch it because I'm not signed in, but the cutest dog. And he rescued yes. it um, from a really bad situation and just the cutest. And they have a very cute rapport together. Um, yes. So, hi, I'm Miss Peaches. My papa rescued me. I went from the outhouse to the penthouse. Now I'm trying to, now I'm enjoying the finer things in life, learning to enjoy the penthouse. So, very, very Miss cute. Um, yeah. Love Miss Peaches. Very, very cute. Uh, wholesome content out there for those that don't like Dave Portnoy. You can't watch that and not get a smile on your face. So, Miss Peaches. <laughs> That's my shout out for this week. And uh, I think we'll just discuss our schedule for next week, which will be basically, we'll do a quick recap podcast on uh, Saturday. or That'll be on Saturday or Sunday. And then we'll be back Wednesday or Thursday with a Jetta preview. So yes, that, we will. I believe, is what we're going to do. Any final comments before I sign us out? I don't think so. We'll see you uh, next right. week. And super excited for the new season to get started. Me too. You can roll the outro in about 10 seconds. But on behalf of Adrian Huff and myself, Arjun McCullough, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. And as always, remember, you're not first. You're last. Yes, sir. Ha, ha, ha.